Well, I'm so glad to have you here this morning. This morning, um, if you were with us last night, we kind of talked big picture on how God has equipped us to reach this next generation. We are equipped, and we need to know our enemy, but we need to know who we have with us. We need to know who we are. We need to know who our God is. But today, we're going to start making this shift, and I really believe that it is critical in this time to realize that we have sometimes been playing church and not activating the church. I might step on toes because what we are going to talk about when we talk about ownership gets a little bit uncomfortable because it means we have to get out of the way and we have to allow things to happen in us and around us. So let me first uh, introduce myself. I had so much to share last night that I skipped my personal intro. People were like, I don't even know who you are. So my name is Manny Melendez. Uh, if you caught that yesterday, I was born in Puerto Rico, uh, but I've lived everywhere, Philadelphia, Ohio, New Mexico, Michigan, Missouri, now Colorado. I've been, and I wasn't even in the military. My parents were, it was just the way it worked. So, but God used that as a growth process. And to be honest, I didn't get saved till I was 19 and I was in a pretty dark place and God used revival and his spirit to, to save me. And then he used Sharon McCammon to mentor me and that was critical in who I am today. I believe firmly that if it wasn't for my spiritual mother, Sharon McCammon, investing hours and days, committing herself to my life, I wouldn't be who I am. I give a ton of credit, obviously to Jesus, but also to her, someone who walked with me and discipled me so that I could become who I am today. She was willing to be vulnerable she was willing to be tough. She was willing to be loving. She was willing to teach and endure and be patient with this knucklehead who was a thug wannabe as I grew and progressed in my faith. She taught me what ownership was because she allowed me to own my part. So I went from this thug wannabe to then discipling her discipleship team. I was her key leader. Looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I would have done that. But she did, and she walked me through the process. She didn't just throw me to the wolves, so to speak, and say, I hope you make it. She trained me in that process. I got to own that. So here's what happened, and I'm taking you, and we're going to go deep into this in a second. But her funeral was last year. She passed away. She had been a missionary in Lithuania, developing kids' leaders and kids to be leaders in Lithuania, uh, a post-communist country that didn't understand what it was to own their faith and raising up a generation. She passed, and when I went to the funeral, her kids were there, but they were also my kids. The kids that I got to disciple that are now out doing ministry, even when I was fresh in ministry, her kids were my kids. I owned them, and they knew who I was. It wasn't a, oh, yeah, you were that guy that kind of helped Pastor Sharon. No, I was Mr. Manny, which Mr. Manny just sounds really weird. I prefer Pastor Manny not to Mr. Manny. Anyway, um, so ownership takes us to a whole nother level. I now have four beautiful kids. I'm married 20-plus years, 20-plus because it'll be 21 this year in August, to my beautiful wife, Carmel. I don't have a picture. She's not here to scold me, but don't tell on me, please. She is, uh, she is amazing. My wife fills me, and together we are a powerhouse ministry team um, because she's the power, and I'm just there to hang back, and she makes me look really great. And then our four kids, 19, 17, 14, and 12. 
And the right time of year, they're all two years apart, which is fantastic. They are the joy of my life, and I cannot believe that they love Jesus the way they do. They pursue. And if there's anyone that I need to be owners, it starts with them. So the message that I'm about to share with you, I need you to know, doesn't start with the kids in my ministry. It starts in my house. I need to own my faith. My wife and I need to own our faith. And now we're saying to our children, don't follow because I say. Follow because you love, because you own your faith. There's a difference between owners and servants. And so that's the the whole focus of today and realizing that we become so much stronger if we develop owners around us. And each of us need to be an owner first. If you go to a Chick-fil-A, which it's the Lord's chicken. I don't know whatever the debate is for you, but it's the Lord's chicken. You go to Chick-fil-A, and they and it's always their pleasure to serve. They train well. They do, they do well. They make more money than McDonald's. My kids, even without the economical mind, they go, Dad, how's McDonald's better? Every time I go to McDonald's, there's no line. Anytime I go to Chick-fil-A, I got to tw- wait 20 minutes through the drive-thru just to get my chicken. They, they are always packed. And they serve well, and they're smiling, and they've just got a great model. But there's still a difference. That kid behind the counter, after I get my stuff, says, my pleasure. I walk away, and do you think they remember my name? No. They served me, and they served me well, but once I'm gone, I'm done. The owner, I have a friend who is actually working to become an owner, franchise owner, and he's working in the business right now of Chick-fil-A. He's doing all the parts and pieces. And you know what? Even if I'm not at a Chick-fil-A, he's constantly asking me, so what was your experience like? What was it this time? Let me give you a free bag. How about this? And how about He's constantly thinking Chick-fil-A because he wants to own it. He doesn't even own one yet, but his mind never leaves Chick-fil-A which makes me happy because sometimes I get free chicken nuggets and that's just a good day. What if it was like that with the kids in your ministry, with the people you serve with? What if it was like that for you? Now, those of us that have been involved in kids' ministry, sometimes we got to pull back from ownership a little bit. My wife and I have both served in ministry together all of our years that we've been married. And so sometimes we're at the dinner table Saturday night. We're, we're, it's a day off for us, and we're still like, oh, we could do this. And what about that person? We could recruit them. And, oh, did you think about this as an object lesson? And we've got to, whoa, hold on a second. We should probably turn it off for a moment. But it's hard to turn off because we're owners. When you have someone who stands next to you that owns the ministry, it transforms the way you do ministry. Because all of a sudden, you're not alone in that partnership. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, My history, some of what created that. Here's my uh, background as far as ministry is concerned. Um, I go to Bible college, come back, and I get the privilege of doing inner city kids ministries in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, in Colorado, they don't fully understand that when you're going and knocking on doors throughout the winter, that is a rough job. Here, I don't have to explain anything. You got it. That is rough. But that we were committed. We owned it. But we couldn't do it on our own. And when it's that hard, and we're talking about going into the city and knocking on doors in rough areas, and you never know what's going to happen, the people that need to go out into those streets need to own it as well. We couldn't just have people that were like, sure, you need some help. Sure, I'll knock on doors. Oh, it's kind of hard this week. 
you know, I'm going to take the day off. We had to develop owners. Then we became kids pastors, and it was an amazing church. So we were same church, but then we shifted over into the kids pastor role. And we've got, it was a church, uh, not important except that the team that needed to happen. It was a church of 3,000, which means we had a lot of rooms that fell. And it was fun to serve with people together. But when they didn't own, you certainly felt it. Oh, it's hunting season. Is hunting season big here? In Michigan, our attendance drops by 90% in hunting season. Like, it's amazing. So, but when you had owners, they were like, hey, it's hunting season. But I, I moved some dates so that I could be here for the Sunday because I saw that you have gaps. They owned it. Then we move, and now we're in Colorado Springs, and we got where I get to oversee the kids' ministry over three campuses. And it ranges from one church is, is 800 to 1,000 on a weekend to, uh, if I'm honest, my favorite campus is in the mountains. And on a really great day, we've got 80 people all together. But I can't be at all three campuses. And I can't just have people that are willing to step in and say, oh, yeah, I can help you today. I need people to own it. Ownership is a, is a difference maker because what happens is when you own, you live, breathe, and bleed that thing that you own. So I want you to imagine with me. Let's do the survey again because we had a few different people. Full-time kids pastors, raise your hand. Part-time, raise your hand. Volunteers, raise your hand. Okay. Got a lot of volunteers. And here's what I need you to know. You are all owners. Whether you like it or not. You're all owners. It's whether you're willing to step into that role because our faith is an ownership faith. In Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus do something. I'm not going to read. There's a lot of reading here. But in Luke chapter 10, something powerful happens. Now, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of harvest. Who is in charge of the harvest? Ask him. Oops, I, I'm not done reading. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go. Somebody say go. And remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. This is going to be tough. Don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bag, nor extra pair of Santa, da, 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 whatever you do. May God's peace. There's some instructions there. I'm trying to go fast. Don't move around. More instructions. Instructions. Instructions of people treat you poorly. I love that Jesus was so intentional in his giving instructions. Here's what happens. The good. Here's what happens if it doesn't go so good. We're going to talk about that. Uh, then, he, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts this message also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Ownership. What happens? This is huge. You understand? He's telling the disciples at this point, whoa, whatever happens to you is happening to me, even though I'm not right there. That's ownership level. Okay, we're going to dive all into all this in a bit. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you. Somebody say, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now, let me pause here for a second because I think it's important to note. Jesus is telling disciples, 72 of them. This isn't the 12 we read about. This is 72. So there's a lot we don't know about, which leaves a lot of room for personalities and idiosyncrasies. 
And yet the king of the universe, God incarnate says, the all authority have I given you. How much authority have you given away to other people so that they can know it? If the God of the universe who rules and controls everything is willing to say, hey, broken, not totally understanding, you're not even going to make the 12, but you know what? For this, I give you all authority. Run. It leaves a good example for us in creating owners, doesn't it? All right, so I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but look, I've given you authority over all power. Uh, you can walk, scorpions. And then I, there's this course correction. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So we're going to jump into what ownership means, and I, we're going to extrapolate from these scriptures because the example that Jesus sets for us, I believe, whether we're pastors, youth workers, kids ministry workers, I think this is a ministry model. It's not specific to kids ministry, but we have a huge opportunity in kids ministry to start at the level that we're at, no matter where we are as far as terms of uh, job, paycheck, if we're ministering to kids, we have the opportunity to develop owners. I'm going to tell you a story about kids camp before we start digging into the details here. And that was that this year, because I lead three campuses, I'm not present at one campus a long time. Drove me crazy because you're hearing this message because it's my heart message. I love investing and discipling and creating owners around me. But I can't do that at a church level. I have to do it at a leadership level right now. It transforms the way I operate. So I haven't had a kids discipleship team with me for a little bit. But this year I got asked, I, well, we did our own kids camp. So I, had, I was going to speak at our own kids camp. And we had a day camp that a church nearby asked us to do. So I have two ministry events. And I'm like, I don't do things alone. All right. I recruited a team I personally selected. And I said, we're going to do this. And it would have been so much easier to say, here's the lessons, here's the object lessons, here's the, the skits, here's the things, do those things that I assigned to you. But instead, I pulled back and I said, all right, first day, salvation, the cross. That's the message. What do we do? I've been in ministry almost 25 years. I could do this and do it quickly and effectively, and it'd be so much easier. We spent three days creating one service. Randy, would you take three days now to do one service, to create one service? Does it take three whole days? Probably not, because there's experience. But, but when you're pulling people alongside you, we started going, okay, what about this? And I let them give ideas, and then sometimes I'd have to shoot it down. Sometimes I'd elevate, be like, that's a great idea. And then someone else would have an idea, and I'd show them the creative process and say, okay, we didn't take your idea, but do you see how it spun into this idea, which now we're all in love with? That's a great idea. Let's put that on the board. And then they created the services. I'm going to fast forward to the end of that season. We did two services. My kids' leaders at kids' camp were like, wow, that was great. And Pastor Manny, I'm sorry. I know I'm probably going to offend you, but I love that it wasn't the Pastor Manny show. You all know me, so you know, you know enough about me to know that didn't bother me one bit. It was exactly what I wanted to hear. He goes, those kids were shining, and the message was powerful. At the end, we're evaluating the whole team because now i got to give this, these teams back to the campus leaders and say, okay, before we divide up, 
What did you get out of this? One of the girls said this, I love that we got to own the services and what we did. You didn't tell us what to do. We had a say in what we did. Close your eyes with me. And in your ministry context, can you imagine right now your kids, maybe it's youth, maybe it's just congregants, standing there looking at you saying, pastor, leader, thank you for empowering me because I had a say in the Holy Spirit showing up today. You can open up your eyes. My hope and goal is that after this weekend, something starts to spark in you where that conversation happens often, where you don't have to close your eyes and imagine. Some of you saw a face. The reason I had you close your eyes is some of you already can picture that person that you may develop into an owner. If you have people standing next to you and empowering you because they're empowered, we're all so much more effective. So uh, what is ownership? Creating a culture of ownership in your ministry team is, is important because it's different than asking for people to serve. What I love about that scripture is Jesus took, took the 72 and he gave them authority. What is ownership? It is a transference of authority. It is the ability to execute with authority. It's the ability to move without needing to do all the checks and balances. Some of us are control freaks, and some of us like things to get done right. Some of things like uh, some of us like to get things done perfect. But here's a tip for you: some of us need this badly. If there's someone within your framework, and I, and you have the whole gamut. Dream, imagine for me. It could be an adult. It could be a teenager. It could be a kid. If there's someone that could do something that you do. 60 to 70% as good as you can, let them do it. Because they're at one point, you could only do what you're doing 60 to 70% as good as you are currently doing it. And you are still growing. So I'm going to say it again. If there's someone within your ministry context that can do something 60 to 70% as good as you can, yes, you may be watching them do it going, oh, I could do that a little better. That's okay. Let them do it. And if you don't, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Give them the ability to flex those muscles, to try it out. Uh, so creating ownership. How do we do it? Create expectations. When we had that ministry team come alongside us uh, this, this summer, this last summer, I gave expectations. And then I left room. But you have to create expectations. I said, listen, we're going to create this stuff. Number one, Jesus needs to show up. So as we pray and prepare, I need you to be with me in prayer. Jesus is going to show up in these services. That's our plan. Number two, this isn't the you show. This is the Jesus show. This is, this is all about bringing people to Jesus. Three, let's be creative. Let's not be boring. There's the expectation. Okay, so then we, with those expectations, we started running. Communicate values. When you're giving ownership, people have to have a foundation to stand on. They have to know what your value set is. 
So when you're giving ownership, it's not simply just passing things off and hoping they figure it out. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but you have to set a foundation for people to stand on, and it needs to be strong. So you need to know what your values are. And we talked yesterday about knowing what your church values are. That is a great place to start, and then you develop your values within that context uh, because sometimes things need to be transferred into a kid's model. Define the vision. What do you hope to see? So again, let me just go to that specific model. We talked about kids camp, and we had moments where we just shut our eyes, and I said, can you imagine the end of the altar call? We've just talked about the gospel, and we talked about Jesus showing up and dying on the cross and raising from the dead, and the reality that our sins have now been washed away. What do you see the kids doing? This is what I was asking my ministry team. By the way, the oldest was 15. The youngest was 12. I said, with your eyes closed, what do you see? Oh, I see that. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I see, I see a kid responding to Jesus, and his, heart, his home has been broken, and he, his heart is Oh, man, I, that's beautiful. I see a girl. And they just, they imagined, they got a vision, and I coached and led the vision. I didn't tell. I coached the vision. Ownership is not saying, do what I'm doing, do what I say. It's leading going, how can you do this? What might you say? How could this be a possibility? And opening up the doors and allowing that to happen. Um, ownership. Create space for emotion. How do you create owners? You create space for emotion. Anybody got a big question mark when I say that out loud? Here's what I mean. When I leave a Chick-fil-A, even if it's a bad experience, the people that serve me don't care. Except that if I irritated them, they might be a little ticked off at me, but it's, at the end of the day, they really don't care. And once they get to their next customer, I, I've moved on from their mind. But that gentleman that wants to become an owner, if I tell him that I've had a bad experience, even if he's not leading that Chick-fil-A, it rips him to, to, to shreds. He's like, that is unacceptable. That can't happen. I can't believe that they allowed that to happen. I'm going to take care of you. I have enough, I have enough authority. I'm going to make sure you get a free kid's meal next time. I, which, no, it doesn't tempt me to complain to him often. He spoils me. It's okay. But do your people who you are hoping to empower to own, do they feel? When the altar call goes a little bit uh, different than you expected, maybe the depth wasn't there that you were hoping for or planning for, are their hearts broken because they know a kid should have responded because they know the situation in the home and they didn't respond. They're like, Pastor Manny, why didn't they respond? Or are they like, and the altar call, what did you think? It was good. That tells me we have a disconnect. When I talk to my team and I hear, it was good. Well, tell me what you thought. Oh, it was good. Yeah. You don't own it. Okay. I got to figure out how to tap into you so that you feel. When, when kids have been filled with the Holy Spirit. and So I've got a few owners in our, in our class. My leader, I have a kid's pastor at our central campus. He was sick. And I had to hang back because it was a big day and I didn't know how things were going to go. Well, turns out I couldn't be in the classroom. And so my leaders all of a sudden start to own the class. 
um, Mr. Brian, who can be very deep. He's one of those guys that you just start talking, and you're like, dude, that was deep. And we were just talking about pancakes. That was that was amazing. Okay, so you know it's he's very deep. And then I have a gal. She's the vice president of uh, housing services for the military. She's helping run the, the service. Anyway, this is I got great people in our ministry. I didn't know how it was going to go though, and I ended up not being able to get up there because I had some crises that happened that didn't allow me to get in the room. I get up there at the end of class. And I have to, here's how it goes. Service is over. We've had two amazing services. It was packed. And their faces were telling me, we have to have a meeting before anybody goes. I need to hear what happened. Because I walk in, they go, Pastor Manny, today was powerful. Kirsten, one of my, the VP, she's like, she almost starts crying. I can't believe what happened in this altar call. And I'm like, so we sit down and I go, guys, I missed it. Tell me what happened. And these are my leaders. And they're like, you should have seen the altar. The kids were going after Jesus and praying hard. And then we did this and the response and the way, the way then this person came up here. And all of a sudden I, and one of my leaders like, and I just felt like we were supposed to pivot. And so I had this leader come up and share a testimony. And this person do, did all that happen with my orchestration? No. Did it happen with the kids' pastor's orchestration? No. They knew they had the level of ownership to hear from the Holy Spirit, make a pivot, allow things to happen, change the worship song, God's power drops, and that was all them. And I'm looking at and I step back and I go, guys, do you just see what happened? None of the staff was here. Jesus just showed up because you owned this time and this space. Ownership takes your ministry to a whole nother level. And so we've got to create owners. When you uh, identify owners, here's what starts to happen. Improved performance. Why do we need to identify owners? Because you get improved performance. When you own something, you train harder. You build harder. You pray harder. You prep harder because you own it. Because you have this sense that if I don't, nobody will. That's why owners uh, struggle so hard, because they carry this weight and this burden. I guarantee you're here. This is a room of owners. But imagine if somebody else shared that weight with you. Well, you didn't have to bear that weight and that. It's a Jesus pressure, but at the same time, it can still feel heavy, especially if you feel like you're the only one carrying it. Increase performance. When you identify owners and you give them the ability, you get greater engagement and commitment. The group of owners that I can identify from my kids' ministries, they don't require a whole lot of follow-up. Hey, you're serving this weekend. I hope you can make it. Oh, I've got a vacation. No, I don't, I don't get that from my owners. What I get from my owners is, oh, yeah, I've already prepped, prepared. By the way, do you have this? Can you get this for me? And I thought of a new idea, so I'm going to need this as well. Oh, man, okay, yep, yep, let me get that for you. Because they own it. You get greater commitment. Can you imagine with your volunteers greater engagement and commitment where they're telling you, you know, I was only serving once this month, but I, I canceled my vacation for other reasons. Can you just put me in? I see you didn't fill that slot. Uh, yes, please, thank you. That's the opposite of what we typically get. So yes, what else do you get? You get increased creativity and innovation. 
Uh, I talked about uh, a couple there in their 70s. Mike and Ramanita, they're amazing. And one day they were like, yeah, so come back next week and you'll get to see me juggle elephants. I'm like, Mr. Mike, whatever, okay, just you're so silly. And the kids are laughing. He comes, the kids come back the following week. I even show up because I'm like, I'm supposed to be over there at that campus, but I want to see what this elephant thing is. Because he's like, I'm gonna juggle elephants. He shows up, all of a sudden he pulls out elephants, little toy elephants. He's like, Look, I'm juggling. I'm like, oh, Mr. Mike. But all the kids came back to see Mr. Mike juggle elephants. And what he meant by that? It's a little thing, but it connected with the kids in a deep way. How did that happen? This is Mr. Mike who years before said, I don't think I can preach. I don't know the Bible like you do. I don't know. I, I don't know. Now he's owning it. He's creative. Increased creativity. Enhanced teamwork. When you develop owners, you get enhanced teamwork. The ability to work together increases because when you got an owner, you realize you can't do it by yourself. And so you start recognizing the gifts and talents around you and utilizing and realizing, you know, we are part of a team. They also start to value the leadership more because they recognize that they're stepping alongside you. I've got partners in crime. I can't say partners in crime. They're not crime. <laughs> you know what I mean. We got partners together in ministry. We're doing things effectively, and boy, it feels so much better to stand next to someone, utilize their talents, gifts, and abilities uh, to do what we do. Improved volunteer retention. Who wants improved volunteer retention? At every level, every stage, we should want improved volunteer retention. We don't want people to leave. We're going to talk about this in the kids aspect, the long-term goal. When we develop kids, this will be the last class. When we develop kids to be owners, my vision for the future is that we don't lose kids, that they don't leave the church when they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Instead, they're creating the cycle all over again. And here's what I share with parents when it comes to this. Who leaves a ministry? Someone who has been a part of, partaken in, maybe served, but never an owner. An owner has to be so, so done that they leave something. Because when you own something, it's part of you. So if to leave something that you own means to leave a part of yourself behind, and none of us like leaving something of ourself behind. We can leave somebody else's thing easy. We can leave somebody else's personality easy. That's your thing. Good luck with that. I hope you do well. Peace. But when it's me going... I mean, how many of you have a hard time quitting something that belongs to you? Even if it's a bad habit, man, I, I love nachos. I shouldn't eat the nachos the way I eat nachos. You get a bag of tortilla chips. I don't even need cheese and, and, and guac. I just eat the bag. But it represents in my mind, there's a part of me that's like, this represents like family time. And by the way, I'm Puerto Rican, not Mexican, but there's a difference. But for some reason, that Mexican side, it just, I like the tortillas. There's this emotional connection with that that makes it hard to change that habit. I could be doing real good, and all of a sudden my wife pops the bag of tortilla chips, and there just happens to be some ground beef in the fridge and a little bit of cheese, and I'm like, oh, guess what? It's nacho night. Wait, I thought you were watching it. Wait, yeah, I'm watching it grow. I'm not. You brought the nachos. I'm... When we have an emotional tie to something, when something belongs to us, we don't want to leave it as easily. 
we had a guy just leave us, my a critical guy for me. And it was painful for him to leave. It was God, but it was painful. Because he was so invested. He had so much ownership. He wasn't just leaving the ministry. He was leaving his kids. He was leaving his team. He was leaving the culture that he had set. So he had to rip apart out of obedience to God. But he had to rip away from what he had. Can you imagine that for your teams where they feel that level? Finally, uh, in identifying uh, owners, what do you get? You get positive impact on children and families. Because the owner is not just thinking about how they feel that day. You know, when we get up to preach, sometimes uh, we're going to share. And I've, I'm probably the only one that sometimes has a really rough day before I get into church. I'm sure all of you are like, Jesus, so Jesus anointed. You're like, I'm ready every Sunday. I'm not sometimes. It's been rough. And my team sometimes comes in and you can see it on their faces. And I have to look at them and say, listen, I hear what your day has been like. But when you're presenting Jesus, all that needs to go away. Because what this is about is them, not you. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll be candid with my team and I'll say, and listen, it was a rough morning for me. I don't want to be here right now. This is my close circle. I don't, <laughs> I don't tell everybody that. But my close circle, I'll say, I don't want to be here right now. It was rough this morning. I don't, you don't need to know the details, but I, you just need to know. I don't want to be here right now. But you will not see that when I get up on that stage. Not because this is a performance, but because this isn't about me. This is about Jesus showing up in the lives of our kids. And that ownership takes over. When your people, the people around you, the people you surround yourself with, own their space and their ministry time, the level of positivity that happens within your team and your families, the impact, the positive impact increases dramatically because we all bring our unique uh, gifts and values. So that is what ownership means. Any thoughts or questions before I move on as you're thinking through? Either I'm really nailing it or I've totally lost you. Either way, we're moving forward. Okay. So um, what do you do? I'm going to breeze through this. We talked a little bit about this, but in ownership, you have to set a foundation. So how do you do that? You have to communicate vision and values. Develop. You have to develop a clear vision and mission. Um, I, uh, at Mount Hope, uh, this was a church before the one I'm at, I would often call it the submission meaning that our mission in kids' ministry was under submission to the overall mission of the church. It was in submission to it, but it was also a kids' ministry vision. So it was under submission to the big picture vision, but it also gave us vision and clarity. Here's to the level that we went as far as our kids' ministry was concerned when, our, when missions and values. I broke it down so that each classroom had a tangible, practical mission statement and values within the classroom. So even to our check-in station, and I'll, I'll say the check-in because that's probably the easiest, while we were all growing passionate followers of Jesus that it would impact the world, what did that look like? Well, at the check-in station, their mission was to create an experience that, oh gosh, this was Mount Hope, so give me, give me a second because it was the, <laughs> the church before the one I'm at, but um, to give them a red carpet experience that would connect with them now and create a longing to come back later. So 
at our check-in stations, they knew that they should give a red carpet experience. Was this a high-class moment where a guest comes, they feel like a superstar based on the way the leadership team reacted, knowing in their minds that I want them to feel good now, and I want them to want to come back later. Whatever happens outside of the space, I can't control. But in this moment, when this family is showing up, am I giving them that? For our uh, twos to threes class, we knew that rep uh, repetition, echoing is huge. So I'd give them a mission that they should hear the parents telling them that the kids are singing the songs and saying the verses when they're at home. Because how do you know you hit a two-year-old's heart? Well, Let's just, I'm going to torture you. Some of you are going to hate me later, but we all know the song because when a kid gets it, baby shark, dee, 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 dee. when they start singing that, you're like, ah, don't, but you know it's in their heart and in their head, right? It's in there. What about the scriptures and what about the songs we sing? So our twos and threes-year-old class, they knew their mission and vision, their part of ownership was to teach the lessons so deeply that when they're at home, they're singing, I love you, Lord. Which, by the way, this last weekend, oh, gosh. And I am celebrating these wins, not because I'm nailing it, but because my team's doing it. I wasn't in this class. But a dad stopped me and said, Pastor Maine, I just want to let you know, thank you for what you're doing. I wasn't in the class. This isn't me. This is my team that owns it. Pastor Maine, thank you for what you're doing. We're at the dinner table. And my kid starts singing, I love you, Lord. And I just need you to know, we don't sing. I love that song, but we don't sing that song at home. We don't even play it on Spotify. That's not a song we sing, but you're singing it at a church, and now he's just singing it sporadically at the dinner table. And we all just sang with him. That's because my two-year-old class teacher owned her space, brought Jesus delivered it to the heart of a kid, and now it's transferring into that home. And worship is happening at that dinner table because, not because I was there, but because a key team member is so passionate about what she does that she owned her space. We become so much more effective when we do this together and we create owners. So you got to set that platform. Uh, when you're creating owners... Provide context and examples. Don't just hope they get it. I love uh, the scriptures we went through. Jesus did a whole lot in these scriptures. I'm going to go backwards a little bit, and I don't know how to jump, Mr. Chris, Mr. Chris here. Uh, the Lord chose 72. He chose them. We're going to pick this apart really quick in the scripture. Choose your team. Don't let them be happenstance. Be selective. When I'm talking about disciple-making and ownership-giving, don't just say, ah, whoever's willing to, I'll let you. I'm going to hand over the keys. I am not giving my keys to my 12-year-old. I love my 12-year-old. She's not ready to drive my car. There are some people in your ministry that are not ready to drive the car. So don't just hand it to whoever is willing. My 12-year-old is willing, but not able. Okay? Jesus chose 72. Again, though, we talked about the fact earlier, I briefly said 72. We don't know who these were. We knew who 12 of them were. There's a whole other 60. We have no idea, which means Jesus was taking a chance on some of them. But they were following. Uh, he sent them ahead in pairs. Uh, these were his instructions to them. Jesus didn't just say, I'm giving you authority. Go at it. Tell me what happens. I hope it's good. 
he was very clear in his instructions while still leaving room for things to happen. What do we need to do? We need to give instructions and directions while still leaving room for growth and things to happen. Um, he gave him instructions. Uh, these are, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. He's already instilling that there is a need. I need you. I need you. When you're creating owners, this isn't to throw responsibilities so you don't have to do things. This is to remind them there is a bigger vision, mission, and purpose, and you are a part of that. Uh, I got a few minutes. I'm going to wrap this up. Remember that I'm sending you. We need to remind our people that God is sending them and that it's going to be tough. We don't pretend, by the way, when I create owners, I don't pretend it's going to be easy. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's gratifying, it's satisfying, it's amazing, it's going to be a breeze. No, I say, this is going to be tough. But you, you got this. Uh, again, don't take any money. This was, this was uh, instruction. I won't deep dive, deep dive into this. Um, I love this, though. The, the blessing will stand if you, uh, if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. Here's, here's the opportunity that owners have. When you own something, you can give something. So that guy at Chick-fil-A, who he's not even the owner yet, but he has enough authority that, uh, you know, the Chick-fil-A employees, they can give me some things. Every once in a while, I get an extra nugget in my box. I get an extra, you know, I get a free. If, but he can provide way more than an employee can because there's a level of ownership that he has that nobody else has. When it comes to the kingdom, our owners can leave something behind that someone that simply serves doesn't have access to. This is why we need to create owners. Some of you, by the way, some of you want to discipline, you're like, yeah, read that last part because I'm thinking about Johnny right now. If they're not, the blessing will return to me. Johnny, I'm going to take that blessing back. Don't, don't, that's not what I'm talking about. So, don't move around from place to place. I love the stability. I, there's so much. I, anyone who accepts this message is also accepting me. We talked about that briefly, so I can go over that. But you, our owners, are representing the kingdom. And then I love this. They rejoiced. Jesus didn't rebuke their rejoicing. You have to celebrate. When we're creating owners, we have to celebrate. There's so much more I could go into. I'm going to start wrapping this up. Um, and by the way, I'm fully available. I can give you my email, phone number, if you ever want or need more. This is my heart. This is what I believe in. But here's something that's critically important. Your owners have to have wins, and you need to celebrate. And I love, I, I, I almost, this is the way I see Jesus responding. So the disciples are like, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. This is amazing. And I see Jesus like, yeah. That's good. We need to allow our team to rejoice. But I also love that he course corrected and said, yeah, that's actually overflow. But don't forget the reason. But he didn't do it in a way that was degrading. He allowed the celebration, but 
Because look, his response is, you know, the demons even obeyed. He's like, yeah, I saw Satan fall. You're the bomb. You went out there, demons ran out, and I saw Satan like, I can't handle it. So he reaffirmed what was happening. Demons are getting under control here, but don't rejoice over that, but that your name is written in the Lamb's Book. We need to lead owners to own their space. We need to give them all these tools, but at the end of the day, help them to see that their ownership is making a difference, that they're making an impact. What does this mean? It means that we got to let go of stuff. We have to allow others to try and experiment. Allow ourselves to step back, and when it's not done quite like we'd like, to still see that God is moving in the hearts and the minds of others to create owners so that we're not doing this by ourselves. My hope and my desire is that you don't have to do ministry alone. And my personal hope and desire is that I'm someday assisting the people that I've created owners that exceed anything I've ever done. And I get to watch them flourish and I get to be a part of their ministry.